Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 341 of the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And we do this every Monday night. So if you have not tuned in to hear it live, you probably should because there's lots of things you don't get to hear if you don't do that. We know not everybody can be here on Monday nights, but if you can, you should. And you should jump into our Discord server and you should participate there. There are things going on in the Discord all week long, pretty much 24 hours a day, and we'd love to have you participate. Links are on the website and in the outro, so check it out. But we'll move on with this episode, 341, our short topics episode. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So without further ado, we will jump right into some short topics on amateur radio. And Bill will tell us about the IARU. Yeah, absolutely. The IARU Region 2 announces workshop uh, workshop schedule. That's a way to start. <clears throat> the response to the original notice of workshops was far beyond our expectations. 230 registered and more are still registering. With so much interest being expressed, the executive committee of the IARU Region 2 appointed Augusto Galbaldani, OA4DOH as workshops coordinator to set up the process for initial setup of workshops to, and to develop and manage an ongoing workshops for all amateurs in IARU region two, because they can't say that enough. And, uh, the, the couple of uh, workshops that they're talking about, they have a few of these in, uh, Spanish, but, uh, for the English ones that were, uh, you know, very specific to the U.S., uh, U.S. and, uh, Canada market. Uh, they have two of them coming up. It's a uh, MCOM uh, topic of WinLink 101, and that's on Wednesday, May 13th at uh, 1900 Eastern Daylight Time or 2300 UTC. Uh, the other one they have uh, coming up on uh, Wednesday, May 27th at 2300 UTC is uh, Satellite Communications 101. So I, I didn't know they were even doing these, but I guess they are. So, uh, yeah, check out uh, the IARU Region 2 website, and we linked it in the show notes here and for future and uh, uh, current topics. Very cool. I'll have to admit I wasn't paying attention to any of that. I was in the chat room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever. So I just throw in very cool. It makes it sound like I'm paying attention, which I'm not. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, cool. So we'll move on, and I'll I'll read this next one because it looks like I might be able to, even though it's a cut and paste like usual. <laughs> but but to be fair, at least Bill was actually doing some cut and paste, which I was not. It's very so, long too. It is very long, but we'll try and get through it. Emergency ventilator designed and constructed by Hams going to FDA. Radio amateurs have succeeded in providing a complete working ventilator system to the University of Florida researchers who are in the process of applying to the FDA for an emergency use authorization, EUA, or UWA. 
a, su- a, a successful submission would blaze the way for volunteers and manufacturers around the world to create low-cost, highly functional intensive care unit or anesthesia care ventilators that offer many of the features of modern ventilators at a fraction of the typical cost until it hits the insurance market when it gets marked up 3,000%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dr. Gordon Gibby, Kilo X-Ray for Zulu, it's a cool call sign, KX4Z, who is associated with the project, said efforts to further improve the device are ongoing. He says, quote, we made a stunning improvement in accuracy of the system and measured volumes last night at about 1 a.m., he told the ARRL. Accuracy of that particular alarm measurement went from about 300% down to about 10%. The FDA submission is being readied, but we keep making engineering improvements. He continues, perhaps the most surprising development was the addition of the ability to sense patient effort to take a breath and immediately switch to assisting the patient with that breath, known as assist control ventilation. This is expected to allow far lighter sedation of patients, potentially even no sedation, and allows patients' crucial respiratory muscles to keep up their strength. He said, current design goes far beyond the FDA's guidance document for emergency ventilator deployment. And the amateurs mentioned in the project are Bob Benedict, KD8CGH, Jack Purdom, W8TEE, Marcelo Veranda, VA3MVV, Ashar Faran, VU2ESE, and Mark Winsenried, WA9ZCO. And that came from the AWRL. Hey, that's pretty cool. It's not deployment, it was development. Sure. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I got through all of that without making a, I don't even think I did an um, and I screwed up one word, and you're going to call me The out. very last word. <laughs> Deploy and develop are a little different. They are so. different, but honestly, I'm not sure it changes the focus of the article. No, maybe so. not. So. <laughs> but anyway, that is cool. I, I like how they're really coming together on this and i know we've talked a little bit in past episodes about other ventilator projects that are in the works but this one sounds like it could really help out so cool and uh, are you up for reading one over there no no My <laughs> why, why do i she sees ask? reddit on it and she says no I've already, yeah, I've already read it went man uh, <laughs> okay i'll do this because i right, just found this today way. Yeah, so uh, this is a uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, this is a folding Moxon Yagi hybrid for uh, satellite work. So this is from Reddit user Just Want to Unicycle. Uh, this is a two meter Moxon type antenna with a parasitic elements for seventy centimeters. The SWR is below one point five to one for the typical satellite frequencies. So far, I've heard AO ninety one and ninety two and SO fifty. I made a similar antenna a few years ago, and it was pretty fragile and large, obnoxious to store, and I never had any luck working sats with it. My idea for this one was to make it stronger by using eighth inch by half inch aluminum bar stock and connect the moving pieces with wing nuts to make it easily collapsible for transport and storage. The 70 centimeter elements detach completely and fit in the PVC pipe boom. Putting it together takes about 90 seconds, and I expect it to be faster once I change out with uh, center wing nuts for curled or knurled, curled, yeah, knurled, knurled nuts <laughs> that won't interfere with each other. Uh, now that I can hear the sets, my problem is learning how to get in and make a contact. Oh, maybe he should attend that uh, that workshop that the IARUR2 is uh, putting uh, putting out there. So anyway, this came from Reddit, and it was really cool. He included a GitLab to his design picks and stuff like that. He's also stated that he's going to uh, fully document out the build with, like, parts and, and everything else and uh, make, like, a you know bill of materials for it. Uh, that he'll make all available on his uh, GitLab account. So uh, take a look at that. It looks really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, it uh, 
it looks slick. <laughs> I was even thinking about building one myself, <laughs> even though I can't really do satellite, but whatever. <laughs> well, I guess I could try it with my Bayafang, right? I could do it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of satellites, I did something for the first time. What was it last night after the, uh, yeah, yeah. the Starlink stuff happened? Yeah. The Starlink project is a bunch of uh, LEO satellites. 60. Oh, no, there's way more than 60. Oh, this, well, this was just the be, yeah. latest yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. Right. No, but right. The ones we were watching for were the 60 that were out. Just deployed. by last night. Right. Yeah. By SpaceX. They were way too low on the horizon for us to see. But um, we wanted to find out when we would be able to see them. And it turns out they will be high over North American continent right after the show tonight. Um, they'll be a 60 plus degree pass of these 60 Starlink satellites. And the way I found that out was I actually loaded external TLE data into G predicts, not just using the click the button and download stuff. So that's something I did for the first time. Yeah. Um, SpaceX is providing TLE data for all of their satellites. And of course, G predict gives you the option of just loading external TLE data from wherever you find it. So that was pretty cool. Uh, what's interesting, though, is because all 60 of those satellites are basically right together, it just creates this big, white, glowing blob <laughs> of uh, propagation <laughs> <laughs> as it passes over. It's basically just a big, it's like a giant white oval passing over wherever they're going. Because <laughs> there's a the radiation pattern of all 60 of them very, very, very close together. (laughs) So it's kind of cool, though. You definitely will see them. I don't know if you'll see them that well by actually going outside and looking up, but, uh, you know, you give it a try after the show's over and see if you can see them pass by. They go from southwest to northeast, and like I said, in the central U.S., they're going to be at about 65 degrees. So there you go. Cool. So let's move on to some open source. And Bill, you'll have to tackle this one because there's there's like strike throughs in it. <laughs> yeah. he just, Somebody he just, just found a link. <laughs> he just put this, I I read about this on the IKEA website a couple of weeks okay, ago. Okay, then why did you oh. do it? So but, that's the reason why I put that in there. Then well, then you do it. But Bill was the one who. Oh, okay. who cares? I'll do it So this is uh, the open source project that we're talking about. I'm just pasting an image of it in the uh, chat room. This is called the Grow Room. And this is an IKEA product called the what the Green Dreams Grow Room. It's so nice. Um, anyway, so they released it under the Creative Commons Attribute 4.0 International License. This project is hosted on GitHub, gives you the plans, instructional manual, and drawings to get you started in building your own sphere-shaped grow room. Now it looks kind of short for like what typical grow rooms would have in it, but. Uh, <laughs> It uh, it looks really cool, and if you happen to have access to somebody who has a, an actual CNC to uh, make all the intricate cuts for you, uh, it would be really simple to uh, to get it cut. Otherwise, I don't think you're going to do this with a jigsaw. You're going to be yeah, busy. Yeah, <laughs> you have a lot of time on your hands, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, it looks really slick, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It looks it, it's it's kind of cool, and it's cool yeah, that they open cool. sourced it. Yeah, yeah. It it looks very IKEA. It's yeah. Great. Oh no, it's definitely IKEA. <laughs> I want to see the instruction manual with the unhappy man about halfway through. It says, "Oh, we're not done yet." Come with on. an Allen wrench in his hand. You know? yeah. <laughs> How many Allen head screws are there in this build? Three hundred and forty. Yeah. <laughs> At least yeah. they didn't name it like the Bakke or something. Yeah, yeah, I was so. waiting for something like a forlorn John Norgalagalagalaga room. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the cyclical plantain. 
house that jane built oh wait never mind <laughs> i i have been known to be walking through ikea because russ's mother is from sweden i've been walking through ikea and i'll call her i'll be like so what does this mean in swedish and i'll read her the name <laughs> off of a tag and she'll immediately go what have you got i'll be like a bookcase and she means tall wooden case or tall wooden rack or something like that like okay so i'll move on to the next time she's like will you stop yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair most of the ikea names are nonsensical some, yeah, some not, do mean made, things. made up mostly yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. could be like names well it's yeah. like one of the toys the dogs has is a ghost sagrada which is a it's a or it's a rat and so russ called her and she's like what is it and he's like oh, it's a stuffed animal and she's like, that means soft and cuddly rat. And he's like, oh, well, the dogs are like that. And she's like, what is it? And he's like, it's a rat stuffed animal. And she's like, oh, okay. Soft and cuddly, though. <laughs> yeah. P- publicly shame Ikea for having the cutest stuffed shark toy. That they went, that we can't That's been get. out of stock for like six months. <laughs> oh, I think yeah. we have one of those. The little one or the big one? Because they have the uh... big ones. The little one is like, you know, seven or eight inches long, maybe. Yeah, I think we got that for uh, for my grandson when we were in uh, the Minneapolis one. Of course. Yeah, they also got him of... the snake. The snake is called something silly, too. I can't yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, like, they, they have been out of the like jungle stroggen or something like something that. Like that yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we have wanted to get the dogs the shark since Thanksgiving. And we keep checking the store and keep checking the app, and it's still out of stock. And I'm like, all right, I just give up. So, yeah, they'll come back. They'll either come back in someday or they'll just take them off the website. So, yeah, anyway. Cheryl can do the next one. Cheryl can do the next one? Sure, why not? All right, cool. Do the next one. Yay, all right. Put my phone away. You shouldn't have your phone anyway. Excuse me. She was Ikea in me already. Yeah, she yeah, was ordering was, some more yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah I was getting Checking to see idea. if the shark was in stock. Yeah. yeah. Can't you order it? I'll do that while you read. Okay. So, <laughs> so our next story is coming soon. A fedora on Lenovo laptops. Today by Matthew Miller on April 24th, 2020. I'm excited to share some big news with you. Fedora Workstation will be available on Lenovo ThinkPad laptops. Yes, I know. Many of us already run a Fedora operating system on a Lenovo system, but this is different. You'll soon be able to get the Fedora pre-installed by selecting it as you customize your purchase. This is a pilot of Lenovo's Linux community series, Fedora Edition. Beginning with ThinkPad P1 Gen 2, ThinkPad P53, and ThinkPad X1 Gen 8 laptops. Excuse me. X1. Yeah, Doris can cut that out. Possibly expanding to other... I don't cut things out. Well, whatever. There's a huge, <laughs> there's a huge gap as I was like trying to. Oh, the gaps get cut out automatically. Yeah. You oh, can, yeah, you can yeah. pause as long as you want and it'll, it'll all, it'll all, all right, come all right, out good. So. Right. so possibly expanding to other models in the future. The Lenovo team has been working with folks at Red Hat who work on Fedora desktop technologies to make sure that the upcoming Fedora 32 workstation is ready to go on their laptops. The best part about this is that we're not bending the rules for them. Lenovo is following our existing trademark guidelines and respects our open source principles. That's right. These laptops ship with software exclusively from the official uh, Fedora repos. When they ship, you'll see Fedora 32 workstation, models which can benefit from the NVIDIA binary driver, 
can install it on the normal way after the fact by opting in proprietary software sources. And this came from Fedora Magazine. Woot, woot, woot. Yeah, Bill's Bill's got like a hard dawn. Fedora. <laughs> 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 Every time I try to make some sort of weirdly like... <laughs> I, I could like see like smoke coming out of your ears. Like, how am I going to tie this together? And... I can't make any sexual references. People will get upset. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah. Fedora is nice. It's, it, nice. it's kind of cool that you're you're kind of working a lot with Fedora because it does give us another angle to approach stories from. And people who use Fedora can know that it's at least almost as easy to get a shack box set up on fedora or maybe even as easy as on ubuntu it definitely is easy it's not as easy only okay. because uh well we'll find out later about their latest ubuntu lts release obviously <laughs> so we'll talk about that later we'll talk about that like uh Next. now <laughs> well we'll talk about the flash release yeah for sure um do you want me to do this one i can do it real quick sure. okay sure yeah, sure. So we have a flash release. Actually, we had a couple of flash releases. I'll, I'll talk about our first one here. And it's, of course, Ubuntu 20.04 LTS is released on April 23rd, 2020. Canonical, uh, the publisher of Ubuntu today announced the general availability of Ubuntu 20.04 LTS with a particular emphasis on security and performance. Ubuntu has reached uh, the top of the independent rankings of enterprise Linux security. Uh, Ubuntu 20.04 LTS applies kernel self-protection measures, assures control flow integrity, and adds stack clash protection for systemic forward-looking enterprise security. So if you need all that, go for it. Uh, let's see what else we have here. So uh, it also includes secure boot. So that's something new to protect against low-level attacks and rootkits often employed by advanced persistent threat groups. And limits attack proliferation or blast radius with strict snap confinement of key exposed applications on the desktop and server, such as those as the local uh, Kubernetes packages, micro KDS. Uh, to mitigate social engineering attacks, Ubuntu 20.04 LTS introduces fast ID online or FIDO. That's kind of interesting. Uh, for universal multi-factor and passwordless authentication, WireGuard is a new and simplified VPN with modern cryptography uh, defaults. WireGuard is included in Ubuntu 20.04 LTS and will be backported to uh, Ubuntu 18.04 LTS for those of you that do not want to update uh, to support widespread enterprise adoption. Uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, the new Windows subsystem for Linux version 2 and Windows 10 enables deep and direct integration of Ubuntu and Windows desktops and servers, both for cross-platform development and for sophisticated blended Windows Linux production capabilities. So many, 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 many updates and many, 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 many changes. So check it out. Uh, the latest release of Ubuntu is out. Yes, it is. And I have something to say about that when we get to the next topic. Not Well, not the next topic, but Linux in the Hampshire. So sure. All right, so you're going to talk about uh, Manjaro? Yeah, so I'll mention this real quick. So <laughs> this is the, the operating system I, or distribution I hate to, or love to hate. <laughs> so, so yeah, Manjaro, uh, you know, not wanting to be left behind, they released 20.0 Linux distribution. Uh, its code name is Lycia? Lycia? Lycia. 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 And has been released on April 27th, 2020. Oh my God. That's like today. That's right off the presses, even though the build is from yesterday. Uh, the release is the second big Linux release in a short period of time. That's right. They just had 19 and it was a stellar release, except for if you tried to compile something like I did yesterday. Um, 
Interested users can download full and minimum ISO images from the project's uh, official download site. Manjaro 20 is offered in KDE Plasma, XFCE, GNOME, and Architect, as well as cinnamon flavors. So tasty. Maybe we'll have chai next time instead of just cinnamon. I like a little chai. Um, (laughs) (laughs) XFCE version of Manjaro 2.0 remains the project's flagship version, and I can attest to that. Uh, Users are new to Manjaro may want to start using it unless they have prior experience with the other DEs, and and prefer a different one and that story came to us from ghex so there you go so if you want manjaro go find it and if we haven't made it clear which we usually do that manjaro is actually arch links just yes. made <laughs> semi-easy that's the idea that's the idea behind manjaro yes <laughs> so all right so with that, we've come down to the end of our open source topics, but we're going to talk more open source in our Linux in the Hamshack segment. And these are, of course, stubs of topics. So, Bill, guess what? You get to end most of this, yeah. <laughs> uh, except to the point where you want me to comment on why you're wrong about GNOME. We'll get to that in a minute. But yes, uh, okay. Yes. So, so go, I'll talk about a little bit about since the latest releases are out, I'm kind of refreshing the videos. And uh, I, I did one real quick with GNOME on Ubuntu 20.04, which is the, the regular disk that you get. Um, and I decided to redo it in Ubuntu because I just think it, it's, it's more simple and more easy to see what's changing in Ubuntu than the other for the video purposes. But the instructions obviously will work for any of the flavors of Ubuntu 20.04 LTS. And uh, I do have to say it was uh, super easy and quick. The only thing that was slow was my internet connection. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to all the people at home suffering from, uh, you know, uh, work from home syndrome. And moving all the crap onto your new NAS. Yeah. And we got, got at least uh, six terabytes thrown on the new NAS. So that's so great. We uh, got that all working. So I'm real happy about that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I shot the video in the, uh, in the, uh, in the VM. So that's how I did the install and everything else. I'm going to finish up the uh, voiceover and everything else and then put a little intro and outro in it. So that will be available on our YouTube channel as soon as I get it. And then, of course, it'll be linked in the show notes here. So I don't know if I'll have it out before we actually get this episode out, which probably won't. But um, be on the lookout for uh, for our YouTube video. If you haven't subscribed, click the subscribe button. And then you can click the little bell if you want to get notified as soon as new videos are out. And uh, you installed 20.04 LTS. Do you want to talk a little bit about your Shack computer? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it well, besides the computer part of your Shack computer. Well, I, I'm not I'm not unconvinced that it's not 20.04 that's locking up the machine because it ran flawlessly on 18.04. So, and I can't imagine just installing a new OS suddenly caused some sort of weird hardware problem because that doesn't seem logical. So I'm wondering if 2004 didn't bork my computer, but one, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and reinstall. I actually spent some time partitioning the system this time where I actually separated out temp and var and opt and user local. So doing a reinstall will be a lot easier this time around. Um, but the biggest thing I've noticed is that when you do like a do release upgrade from 1804, for some reason, 2004 is not considered an LTS. At least it's not on my machine. Uh, it won't. Not Well, because you're going from 19.10 or whatever, 20... Uh, no, no, no. 19, I went from 1804. Yeah. So you can't upgrade. You can force it to upgrade. No, I know you can. I, I did it from 1804 oh, okay. and from 1910. Both. Oh, okay. 
And if you do just a do release upgrade without specifying the D option or going into the config file and allowing yeah, it for non LTS release, it won't. Yeah, not it. till dot one. So it has uh, to go to it has to go to twenty oh four dot oh one before an LTS will do a do release upgrade without being forced to. Well then, hell, I shouldn't have upgraded so soon. That's been documented. I know, and I've said it too. You never go with a dot zero release because you know yeah. you're just going to get screwed. And apparently, that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> and Your they left out the KY. May vary. So. <laughs> but I did a gnome and I did a, a Zumba too, and both of them ran fine. I but I haven't run like you know long term software on it. You know, I just did it for the video purposes. So I I didn't actually run the hams when, when did yours lock up was it just locking up randomly or did it lock up just the, when you're running the software no it's it just randomly locks up you let it just run for a while like i'll have wsjtx and grid tracker running and then a few hours later i'll come back and the whole thing's just locked up i know grid tracker <laughs> no i'm wondering if it's not str angel because i don't remember it locking up before i built str angel oh interesting but i'm not running str angel so i mean you know, why would software that's not actually in memory cause a lockup? So. Yeah, that's true. That's just kind of odd. It is odd. I, I'm just going to do a reinstall. And if it still starts locking up after that, then I'm going to Dell and buy a new machine. <laughs> <laughs> now you're going to get that mower fixed first and you're going to start mowing the lawn. <laughs> well, as soon as I get that friggin' bushing, I can do that. But. <laughs> yeah. So in the same light as this, I, uh, I tried doing it with, the uh, Manjaro 19, because I kind of wanted to do another video showing that, yes, we can do it in Arch and not have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and um, unfortunately, uh, I knew it was going to be a problem. So, uh, you know, anytime you use the AUR, your mileage may vary on what the actual outcome would be. And as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw GCC being compiled, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, this is not going to end well." <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, of course, it, glibc started crapping out, and then nothing would build after that. So yeah, another Manjaro attempt in the dump. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, I just flashed that machine with this uh, Manjaro twenty. I have not uh, have not gone through the steps yet, but um, I will I will give you feedback on that in a future episode, or magically a video will appear in our YouTube channel <laughs> showing success. Look, you can get some applications running on Manjaro without pulling your hair out. Um, but of course, in the VM, having to compile stuff, it takes a while. So uh, all that stuff will be fast forwarded for your pleasure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, boy yeah, just, uh, just so, reminds me of garth ribbed for her pleasure <laughs> so and then the the last thing was my opinion thing i had in here and it's it's why i hate gnome <laughs> now well, you i can't even pronounce it right so you don't get to complain. okay gnome <laughs> Good gnome. Go. anyway we had someone uh, on the show many years ago who told from the Gnome project? Who told us that's how you say it? So yeah. if, you, if you're saying well, I gnome, believe it. I huh? believe it. Yeah. So if you're saying gnome and QT, grow uh, up. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm too, totally illegitimate here. So don't listen to anything I have to say. No, that's okay. Anyway. You're going to totally rebut anything I have to say about Gnome once you uh, tell me all the things you hate about it. So let's go. <laughs> okay. So I have to also say, I'm gonna, there's a caveat to this. My Fedora installation runs GNOME. <laughs> so I'm using it as my daily driver on my box. 
So it's not like I'm a pure hater. But I do have a problem with it, especially when you're trying to show stuff like in the menu, like in the grid, I guess the super menu or whatever you want to call that. You know, when you hit the Windows key and you get the uh, Windows 8 start menu in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can't read anything because... You know, especially if you have like a, you know, mine have cruddy monitors out here in the garage because they're garage monitors. Uh, the 1600 by 900, which should be plenty big enough for, you know, doing stuff on. But like, you can't read any of the stupid text on any of the items. You have to know your icons. Um, if you have two items that are similar, uh, but maybe has a different like suffix on it. Like I'm trying to think of the exact thing that I'm, uh, thinking of. Um, well, think of like, uh, shoot, like the software center. So when you're in, in, uh, in, uh, Ubuntu 2004 specifically, and you go to the software center. So if you were to do that on your box, you click it and you'd start typing software center in the top, you'll see two icons. One's like kind of grayish. And then the other one's like bluish purple or something like that. The one on the right is the go into the configuration side of the software updater. The one on the left is just the regular, I want to look through the software catalog. Uh, you can't see a difference between the two unless you know the color or you know the order in which they're actually going to appear in the menu. It's totally non-intuitive. Now, mind you, in my setup, I don't really care about that. I start the, you know, the first few letters of what I want, like Discord or something like that, and I just press enter, and it just launches whatever the first one is. Now, if I only type in disk, then I'm going to get, like, the file disks or something like that, which is stupid, too. But um, that's besides the point. I, I just think the start menu sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's terribly non-intuitive for, uh, for new users. So specifically, when I was doing the ham radio video, I just kind of got frustrated with it, and that whole process is like, you can't even see this stuff. And like, I can't show what just got installed because, you know, when you do the ham radio pure blend packages, you get the ham radio menu, sub menu item. So none of the stuff is actually organized that way. All you can do is kind of scroll through all the uh, grids and frames of, of the applications installed and say, Oh yeah, here's that. Here's that. Here's that. Here's that. Um, it's just, I, I just think it's bad for like a power user. It's fine. Cause you're used to it. But for like a newer user, try and transition from like another system let's say windows or mac os where you you, know, you go into your applications and you can see them even though mac os sucks too just because they're just stupid looking by default big old icons it reminds me of windows 3.1 <laughs> windows 3.1 for work groups you, you can resize them you know that right well i know that but i'm just saying by <laughs> default you look at the default stuff so you have to configure it out if it's out of the box this way this is the user's first first impression and use of it so there is like a slight step into this area that i think is why i hate gnome to that extent now tell me i'm wrong no i'm not going to argue with you i mean if you don't like the way it works you don't like the way it works Uh, there's a few things about gnome that i don't like either but i haven't really had an issue with the thing you're talking about we're going into the application list yeah. You know, to find the thing you want. Um, usually I do what you do, just do the type in three characters, it pops up and you just hit return and away you go. Um, a few of the applications I use the most, I'll move them into the favorites so they wind up in your dock. Yeah. Um, and that usually works pretty well. Um, as far as like the way applications look, I can give a little bit of advice here if you want to do a little tweaking. There's two places 
in your home directory, there's a directory called dot local slash share slash applications. And then in the system directory, there's slash user slash share slash applications that has all the desktop files. And yeah. that contains where the icons are located and the names of the applications are located. And the syntax for those files is pretty straightforward. So if you want to make any changes to them so that you can sort of identify what applications you're running, you can do that. It's not that big a deal. One thing that's nice I noticed in 2004 that I don't think was in 1804 is there is an application for startup applications. If you go into the super menu and start and start typing startup, S-T-A-R-T-E-P, mm-hmm. then you get an option to go into a startup uh, startup application launcher thing where you just it allows you to do things like, um, well, I use it for, what do I use it for? Well, I use it for and stuff like that. I use it for recontrol D for one thing uh, oh, okay. to start up yeah. recontrol D on login. I use it for barrier to start a barrier on login, and it makes it really easy to get an application to start up on login. You can do it in earlier versions, but you have you have to go like into the settings and find that thing or the menu editor. Uh, they've they've made it a lot easier. And another thing I'm going to say because this came up the other day when I was installing 2004 on this machine is, and I think this is going to be a big pro tip. So here's a pro tip for people. When you're doing an app install, use like back in 1804 days and early Debian days and other places, we would say, well, if you want to install the ham radio pure blend packages, you could do, well, if you're running the actual Debian ham radio pure blend, they'd already be installed. But if you were running Debian, you could install the meta package ham radio dash all, and if you weren't running that, you could do ham radio dash star and that would work. But as of, I'm assuming 2004, because I'm pretty sure in 1910 it was different, they have changed apt install ham radio dash star or the idea of the star. It's no longer a wild card, it's now a regular expression. So now if you do ham radio dash star, what it's saying is ham radio with any number of dashes which of course is not going to match anything. So what you have to do is ham radio dash dot star, which means ham radio plus a dash plus any number of other characters. And that will work. So it has, a, it has silently gained regular expression syntax, which will probably make things 10 times harder for the average user. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than yes. a straight up wildcard. Um, but it's also nice that at least if you know that, then you can do a little studying on regular expressions and figure out how to get your, uh, your install to actually work properly. So, but, uh, I'm not going to criticize your criticism of GNOME because I don't think it's the greatest thing ever. It's just the default for Ubuntu and it works for me. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like I say, your mileage may vary, but yeah, especially for like a newbie type thing, I think it's a little bit harder to kind of go to that level because even like you know hitting the start and you know starting to type your application you know i do that in windows 10 so you know i'm kind of used to that syntax now i'm sure people that are used to using spotlight on or whatever they call it now is a spotlight on mac os or don't they have the same kind of the the fonts yeah spotlight search so you can do the same thing with spotlight search and start typing you know what whatever you want to install or whatever you want to run so I, I have Macs. I don't know how to use them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's the uh, the the Apple button, the Command button. Yeah, Command Spacebar, and you start typing out your application or whatever, and it'll just start appearing there in your autocomplete. So the same kind of thing works. 
Um, it's it's just the the actual menu and stuff in GNOME is horrible. So anyway, oh, well, yeah. thanks for that. I I just I just learned about Command Spacebar. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've well, only been using Mac since 1983. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that came along with uh, like Sierra or something like that, or when they improved the spotlight to be not just like a highlighter on the screen. Right. So yeah, yeah, it works pretty good. All right, cool. Well. That, I think, gets us down to the end of the topics for tonight. We've had some uh, vigorous chat in the chat room, so that's good. Always interesting to see what's going on in there. Nothing particularly relevant, but vigorous. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of yeast and sugar and flour stuff. I have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) So, all right, did I miss somebody? Oh, I sure did. Look at that. I was just about to go down through the list and read the folks who are in there, but there's somebody I missed. So I'll have to put them in there. All right. Well, it's because he showed up late. That's, you know, that's what you get for showing up late. We started super late. (laughs) Yeah, if you show up late after we start late, then it's double bad on you. Uh, but anyway, so we should go ahead and mention the folks who are in the chat room before we hit the social media roundup for tonight. And those folks were all KE5WMA, Tom, and for hi, Don, KC9ZMY, Dan, KF5TQN, Darren, VK6EK, Tony, KM4HSD, Steve, K7HVT, Ted, W0EIR, Jonas Rulo, and Jim, V5EV. So thanks, everybody, for being here and listening to us and chatting in the chat room while we do our little thing here. And we hope you'll uh, all hang out because it may not be known to everybody, but we record two episodes some Mondays. <laughs> so so if you're here, don't go away because you get to hear another one. And if you're not here, then you'll hear it later. <laughs> uh, but with yeah. that, we'll go ahead and enlist the help of our old pal, Cheryl, W5MOO, to... uh do the social media roundup. Well, now I feel like the old dog <laughs> laying on the front porch or something. As far as Linux in the Ham Shack is concerned, you're our old pal. Uh, outside of the podcast, it's a different story. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so anyway, this week for our Patreons, we had Richard Gordon, Andy Webster, Cubicle Nate, Darren King, David Jakeway, Donald Gever, Douglas Redder, Ernest Stallis, Herb Garcia, John Spriggs, Peter Caffrey, Paul Griffith, Randall, excuse me, Randall, Randall? that's an interesting yeah. name. <laughs> Randolph Smith, Robert Pitt, Samuel Vimes, Steve Metcalf, Steve Sainer, William Heckelman, and Jonas Rulo. We should mention him twice. Oh, yeah. Jonas yeah. Rulo. Yes, there you go. Bill, Bill, who, who's yeah. listening on the show? Oh, yeah. Jonas Rulo. Okay, okay excellent. <laughs> For our subscriptions, we have Robert Black, Randolph Smith, Robert Halliday, James Lewis, Fred Cole, Michael Burdak, Alan Wilson, Ronald Ike, Michael Connolly, Steve Biella, Jim McKenzie, Dylan Angle, Johnny Kinsey, Robert Yerke, Bill Piotr, Darren King, Thor Wiegman, Todd Bowers, Kevin Ivey, John Clark, Bill Collins, Jeff Zimmerman, Tony Coberly, Roger Pereira, Jeffrey Boris, Michael Carey, Steve Hubler, and Michael Jopley. On on Facebook, we had Chris, also Jennifer. It's uh, obviously a dual Facebook, <laughs> dual Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> someone doesn't trust someone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If um, uh, who's the who's the one from Oddcast Planet who did who does the 
He's down in Florida and oh, does the uh, um, fine Corinthian leather thing. You know who I'm talking about. No, I know who you're talking about. Well, anyway, I'm not going to call it out. Never mind. Let's yeah. move on. Yeah, he, he, he did get in trouble and she's he on did, it. He did, he yeah. did. Anyway. <laughs> he got himself some fine Corinthian leather. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And she's now on his Facebook page. <laughs> so on Twitter, we have at Minor Second, at KE5WXN, at Mick Cata, at KC7JPC, at The Crimson86, at Ham Radio Testing, at KE5RHJ, at Beza Calico, at Speedy Tux, at CT underscore McCardle, at Lockdown Morse, at Dr. H underscore Sysadmin, and at Cincy Hamfest. Let me say a quick thing about Lockdown Morse. That is a guy who is doing, because of the lockdown, he's a British ham. He's doing a YouTube series on learning Morse code in his own sort of way. So if you're locked down and you want to learn Morse, maybe check him out. Just do a YouTube search for lockdown Morse or go to his Twitter lockdown Morse and Get click the on the link there. over to YouTube. Yeah. So there you go. On YouTube, we had Martin Ron, Eric Brands. Cole McArdle and N0SSC. On the mailing list, we had Mark N3CAN, and there were no merchandise sales this week. All right. Well, I think we've gotten down through it. How about that? So we want to thank everybody once again who has listened to the show live, who has participated in the chat room, and helped us have a good evening. We appreciate all of you. And just as importantly, we appreciate all the folks who download and listen to this podcast every week as we put it out, because we wouldn't do a show if you weren't there to listen to it. So thanks very much for that. And with that, we will move on from our short topics, episode number 341 of Linux in the Hamshack. Wish you all a good week and hope we do it all again and hear you or you hear us again in seven days time. Take care and have a good one. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1909 LHS show. That's 1909 
547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Shack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.